Welcome to Feathers in My Hair, a Teen Mom Deep Dive podcast. I'm your host, Liz Bentley. Hey, everyone. Hi. Good morning. Well, you know, who knows when you're listening to this. For me, it's Saturday morning and I'm back on my scheduled grind. I told you guys last week I was like all out of whack recording so late on Saturday. But <laughs> life is back to normal after a week and a half of winter break. My winter semester starts on Monday. Uh, I Because I have to take a certain amount of electives and there are two classes in my program that you can test out of. Um, and I did not test out of either of them. One is like statistics and research. And I literally opened the test and <laughs> two questions in, I just X'd out because I was like, nah, I don't know any of this. I I did take a class on it in undergrad, but I think in 2011, <laughs> like I took this class a long fucking time ago. And the other one was human development, which actually you needed an 80 to test out of the class. And I got like a 74. So which, by the way, somebody later told me that all of those questions for both classes were on Quizlet. And I was like, that's OK. That's kind of annoying. But I am actually glad I didn't test out a human development because I really did learn a lot. And there's no way I could cheat myself out of like the statistics and research because I clearly don't know any of it. So that means that basically it's for people who are like coming out of undergrad with their uh, BSWs. It's like easier to test out of that stuff because I don't have a BSW and I was an undergrad so long ago. None of that stuff is fresh. So I have to take electives like in the off season, if you will, like my one school friend, because I essentially only have one school friend because because I reached out to her after I realized we were in all three classes together. And I was like, hi, can we be friends? Because I don't go to school in person, so I don't really know anybody. But she's taking elective in the spring when I'm in like one of my required courses. So I am doing a winter semester, which means that I take an accelerated course. And I had a little bit of a panic yesterday <laughs> when I got, first of all, I still haven't got my grades back for my fall semester, which is really annoying because I don't like the idea of starting uh, the winter semester without my grades. I thought grades were due on the 14th, but then I looked online and I think it's actually the 17th. That's really annoying. But I um, I don't like the idea of starting without my grades. Also, like, just the accelerated nature of it really just, like, kind of flipped me out for a second for some reason. I also didn't realize that, like, it's almost all online. We actually only meet three times, I think, and the rest is, like, an online course. And notoriously, online classes are much harder than regular classes because you don't – you have to, like, do a lot more work to show that you're participating in the class – there's also a lot of group assignments. <laughs> so I had like a little panic yesterday, but uh, it'll be okay. I just didn't really realize that it was starting on Monday. So I like planned a bunch of shit this weekend, like recording three podcasts. <laughs> also today, somebody is coming to pick up my bed. I got, um, I don't know if I'm, I got a new, I got a new bed. Okay. <laughs> You'll figure out eventually how I got a new bed. I don't really know what I'm supposed to say, but I got a new bed and I need to somebody to get this old bed of mine. I have a really nice queen size pillow top mattress. It's just too soft for me. I actually had to buy on Amazon like a mattress firm topper, which works okay. But this bed is in amazing condition. It's 10 years old. But before I moved into my mom's, it was only a guest bed that nobody ever slept on because my mom doesn't really have overnight guests. So it's really only been used for two years. Um, I was really nervous I wouldn't be able to sell it because when I accepted 
the new mattress, I was like, oh, yeah, I'll just sell the bed on Facebook. And then like shortly before I was going to post it, I noticed there were like a lot of mattresses for sale on Facebook Marketplace. And I was like, hmm, okay. And then I was like, well, maybe I, I don't know, like to get it removed by like a junk system thing would be like $150. Also, like, I don't want to junk this bed. Not only is that wasteful, this is a great bed. It's a pillow top mattress. It's a queen. It's in wonderful condition. Like I said, it would be so gross to like get to throw this out. But I was really nervous I wouldn't be able to sell it. So I just put it up on Facebook Marketplace for free and like in a couple of free groups. And literally within four minutes of me posting it, I had arranged to uh, give it away to somebody. Then I was like, oh, shit, I probably could have sold it because I got like eight messages in the one hour before I took it down. But whatever. Um, I actually ended up, the woman that needs it is a single mom. Her teen daughter is currently sleeping, she said, on a twin mattress on the floor. And this is going to be like her Christmas gift to upgrade to a nice, comfortable queen size bed. And I am really grateful that I could do that for her. And I would rather do that, have her come pick it up than like make $50 off the bed, you know? So I'm glad for that. But that's happening this afternoon. So I need to record this podcast before then. And then I have to fucking study tonight. <laughs> I have to read, to read three chapters by Monday. So I got to get on that. Um, yeah, so that's, that's it for me. Operation Santa. I should have started talking with Operation Santa and not waited five minutes, but here we are. Operation Santa, I want to say thank you so fucking much. First of all, last year I went back and, or I went back to last year because I couldn't remember how much I raised and it was $2,033, which is really amazing. This year, I think I'm at $3,900 right now. Like that is fucking incredible. Um, I was only able to adopt three families. The adoption letters like went so quickly this year, which is amazing for USPS and for the people that need their letters adopted. So I adopted those three families. I'm giving very large gift cards to the parents. I'm so excited. But then with the extra amount of money, because there's a significant amount of money, somebody on Twitter, because I tweeted about not being able to get a new letter and she was like, hey, I'm like going through all of the comments that are talking about Operation Santa and letting them know about this program called One Simple Wish. And One Simple Wish is a website that uh, posts wishes of kids that are in the foster and adoption system. They work with agencies and the agencies send them the wishes that the kids want, which is really great. Um, and so I went through and I picked out some wishes for that. And I think I'm going to do a couple more, especially I think I, as of right now, uh, withholding shipping, which I'm not totally sure how that'll be. So I'm withholding $200 for shipping, which is what I did last year. And then anything that's not allocated to shipping, I'm going to donate to a local women's shelter, which is what I did last year. So um, without shipping, I have $320 left-ish. So I'll probably, and that's with a lot of money allocated, allocated to gift cards. Like I think I have to buy um, I wrote this down somewhere. I don't know. I think I have. Oh, here they are. I have. Um, let me do the auto sum on this because I'm looking at my my spreadsheet of Operation Santa stuff. I have fifteen hundred dollars worth of gift cards to buy um, that's split up between the three families because I'm giving uh, the ones that just Bonnie in London, who are it was just the kids asking for gifts and they didn't mention any other siblings. I'm giving their moms gift cards. Well, parents, I don't know. One of Bonnie mentioned her mom specifically. London, uh, no parent was mentioned, so I'm just going to give uh, gift cards to $200 gift cards to each of their parents. And then for the family that the woman is out of work and she asked for gift cards for her teen son and her niece and then presents for her daughter, I got a ton of presents and clothes for 
the four-year-old. And then for mom, I'm going to be giving her a $600 gift card and each teen is going to get a $300 gift card. I feel really, really like it's just so great that we are able to help somebody like that. So with that, I still had like quite a, a bit of money left over. And I consider I was like, well, maybe I should just give even bigger gift cards to everyone. But then I was like, we raised so much money. I really want to be able to help as many people as possible. So I went on this one simple wish website. And amazingly, like I was able to fund a lot of stuff and I'm going to keep funding stuff. So one thing Basically, it's just like Victoria would like close so she can go on a shopping spree. And then it's like a certain amount of money that you pay. Um, And the rate is definitely like a little higher than what the thing actually costs. I know this because I bought an Animal Crossing game for someone and it's like $15 higher. But I know that they're covering um like the credit card transactions and I'm sure like whatever fees go in between the agency and the charity or whatever. They just want to make sure that the person can get it. And I think that this is a really good way to help. So for a girl named Victoria, I gave her a $100 clothes shopping spree. Uh, For a boy named Carlo, we bought him a laptop for $300 so that he can do virtual schooling. Uh, For Adriana, she wanted to play Animal Crossing. I love Animal Crossing. And you guys know I'm a big believer in... um, giving gifts that aren't necessary, like aren't necessities, because I have a real problem with people thinking that um, everybody that is like in need should only get necessities. I think that's bullshit. I think a kid that wants to play Animal Crossing should be able to play Animal Crossing. So I got her an Animal Crossing game. And then um, Layella, I got her art supplies. So that's really fun. Also, there is an internet friend of mine who um, is really... (sighs) She has a chronic, uh, she has chronic illness. Her child was in the hospital this year. They have a lot of health issues in their family. And she had posted that her child was on, um, there's this organization that's doing trans Santa. So um, for trans kids, uh, like trans youth, they are letting trans youth write in and write uh, wishes that you can adopt essentially. And she wrote that her child had applied for that. And I like went through because I was like, oh, great, I'm going to like, I'm going to make them, um, I'm going to go adopt their wish. I like couldn't figure out how to do it. I don't know. So I spoke to my internet friend and I ended up sending, I was like, look, I've done Operation Santa this year. I think your family, like I see, she does so much. She does so much volunteer work. She does so much community organizing. Like she doesn't ask for anything. Like she posted that because her kid you know, like her kid had applied for it and the kid just got out of the hospital after being in the hospital for an extensive period, like an extended period of time. And I uh, gave them $300. I was like, look, first I was like, well, what is, what does each kid want? Cause she has three kids. And I was like, I can't just send something for one kid. And then I was like, look, I'm going to give you money, go buy your kids gifts. And she was so appreciative. I think she's going to write, she asked if she could write a thank you letter. And I said, yeah, of course to read. It's really amazing to be able to do that. I was basically like, you're an Operation Santa family um, because we didn't get as many USPS letters as we want. I usually don't like go through and offer to give people I know money because I know that's <laughs> a touchy subject, you know, like when somebody's not asking it to like out of the blue DM them and be like, do you want money? Do you want like, do you want to, I raise money. Do you want some of it? Um, <laughs> but it was really amazing to be able to do it. I'm really glad she and her family are very deserving. I mean, all families are deserving, right? But I know how this year has been a real struggle for them. I mean, being chronically ill during a global pandemic has been really fucking hard for a lot of people, and I'm really glad to be able to help them. 
And it's so amazing that um, so many people have donated. I tweeted something like, I've raised so much money. You hear Cookie going in the background. Cookie's getting a lot better, everybody. (laughs) A package is probably getting dropped off right now, which is why she's flipping out. Oh, but I had tweeted, like, I raised so much money. And it just felt so wrong to be like, I've raised the money. Because, like, I I didn't really do a lot of work. Like, I thank you all so much for participating. It's so amazing that we've been able to help so many people and that we still have a couple people left to help. Like I said, I'm going to go through the rest of, um, like once I wrap everything, today is the 12th. The presents have to be in, I believe, by the 19th, right? What days? Yeah, by the 19th, next week. I'm planning on dropping them all off by the 17th just for my um, mass anxiety about things not being on time. So I'll be dropping everything off by the sec- the 17th. So I'll probably be buying the gift cards on the evening of the 16th, Wednesday the 16th. If you still want to donate, you absolutely can. Um, but because a lot of the rest of the money is be going to a website called One Simple Wish, I highly encourage you, if you want to donate money, you can just directly go to One Simple Wish and grant some wishes. Um, Some of them are a little more expensive. So if you just want to spend, you know, send $10 to Operation Santa, like my Operation Santa, that totally works. But if you are planning on a larger amount to donate, like you can definitely, I would say definitely go to One Simple Wish and look. So yeah, thank you all so much. I, it's just really, what we've been able to do is so amazing. It's so amazing. I am so happy. It feels good. I will say like Operation Santa like lets me scratch the itch that I love to shop. Uh, Gift giving is my love language. Like, (laughs) So for me, it feels really good personally, but just seeing how much people want to help like really is so amazing. The fact that we basically doubled the amount of money that we raised last year is so awesome. Being able to fund one like the wishes is so great. I can't wait to continue doing that. I think I'm going to try monthly, um, maybe for the rest of time, do a wish on there. Not like a computer wish every month, but uh, like a, you know, I'm going to try and fund some wishes there regularly throughout the year uh, because as Princess always says, like kids need help outside of Christmas time. Like usually... Uh, I think kids in like foster care get a lot of help around Christmas and they get a lot of help at the beginning of the school year, but like kids need help all year round. So I would definitely encourage everybody to continue giving throughout the year. You guys know I'm a big believer in what I call micro donations, which means that I just go through and if I see a GoFundMe, I send, I donate $5. If I see a Venmo of somebody that needs help, I donate $5. Um, I've seen a lot of five and ten dollar donations to Operation Santa, and I really appreciate. It. I really believe in the power of micro donations and giving what you can still makes a difference. And you don't have to give a hundred dollars to somebody to make a difference. You know, like you don't have to do that. Five dollars here, five dollars there really can help people, and it's a really good and easy way to give back. So yeah, thank you so so much, everybody that donated. I'm going to start wrap. Oh, that's another fucking thing I have to do this weekend is start wrapping presents. Um, I actually don't have as many presents to wrap this year because uh, a lot of them are getting like Bonnie's just getting a tablet and some gift cards, so that's not a ton. And uh, the other families each only have one kid getting presents, so thankfully it's not quite as much to wrap this year. But I'm going to take pictures of everything so that you can see everything that was bought. 
Um, I really believe in transparency with this. I am so grateful that people trust me enough to like donate money to me. And I mean, it's it's crazy because I'm like a drug addict, an ex-drug addict, a former drug addict. But to think that like, you know, this time <clears throat> seven years ago, yeah, because I was sober this time six years ago. So that was this time, actually, this time seven years ago, I was off dope. I had quit over Thanksgiving weekend. And then I and I had no money. I didn't I had just gotten fired from my job. I had no money. It was a mess. And that's why I quit because I was like, I just I can't sustain this. Like I can't do this. So on Christmas, I went to my grandma's house that day uh, for Christmas and got cash from my dad and my aunts and uncles and my grandma. And as we were driving back from my grandma's, I was like texting my friend, like, do you want to go cop? Like that day, like on Christmas 2013 is when I started using again. And then I didn't stop until I went to rehab in May. So to think that that was seven years ago and now people trust me enough to send me $4,000 and I I know that every cent of it is going to get donated and I keep such close track of it. Like every <laughs> every dollar is accounted for, every single dollar. I have this Google spreadsheet. Last year I did it in my notes app, which was, I don't know why I did it that way, but this year I have my Google spreadsheet and I keep track of every single thing that comes in from every source that it comes from. I write down every single thing that's spent and how much it costs and where it came from. And then I also write down... Um, like what I still need, what's left, the total that's spent. Like I I keep close track of everything and it just feels really great that you all trust me enough to do this. And that's why I want, that's why I spent this time going over like what was spent on what, because I do think that's important. And like I said, I'm going to post the stuff that I bought. It's taking over <laughs> a lot of, my mom is like, oh my God, why are you getting so many packages? And I was like, no, it's for Santa. And she's like, oh yeah, great. <laughs> With that, and then also like my family holiday gifts coming at the same time, it's a, a little outrageous, but I just am so glad that I can do this. And I just, I thank you all so much for your help. I love that this is a yearly thing. I can't wait to do it again next year. And I really encourage you all, if you uh, still wanted to contribute, like I said, please feel free to send me money via Venmo, Cash App, at BentleyLiz1, or PayPal. Uh, but if you wanted to send like a significant amount to go to one simple wish and donate, I wish I could have gotten more families so that we could give, you know, gift cards to parents and stuff like that for more families. But the fact that so many people were adopted, like I would rather that happen than me have access to like unlimited amount of letters. You know, it's really it's really amazing that so many were adopted. I feel so happy for that. So yeah, that's it. I guess we will get into this Teen Mom episode. Uh, we'll take a quick break right here because this is a perfect time and I'm supposed to take a break around 20 minutes and now it's 19 minutes. <laughs> okay, so we'll take a quick break and then we'll be back. Where should we start? Where should we start? I guess we'll start with Chelsea because I actually... Okay, first of all, I still am really, is next week the fucking finale? I don't know because I watch via Amazon because you all know I'm famously bad with money and I also hate commercials. So I buy like the seasons of Teen Mom on Amazon and then as soon as like the, 
Not even the episode's over as soon as they start. You know how they, the last minute of every Teen Mom episode is them, like, playing music and, like, showing all of the girls? Like, that's when I turn it off the second that starts. I'm like, done, done, done. So I never see, like, what is for next week. And I really fucking hope next week is the finale. Not that I think OG will be any better. <laughs> because OG's not going to be any better. Because we all know OG will never be better. But... I just, like, this COVID Teen Mom 2 season is just really killing me. I did see an article that, uh, what's it called? Um, ratings are down. But here's the thing. I think ratings have been going down since season five or six. Like, ratings have been going down. <laughs> Guys, they're going to do this show until the wheels fall off. As long as they are making more money on this show than it costs to make, they are going to continue doing this show. Also, MTV doesn't have highly rated shows anymore. MTV is absolutely a dying network. I saw this week that Siesta Key is still filming because Caroline Calloway. Yeah, Caroline Calloway was like caught, not caught, like she posted that she was filming um, with the Siesta Key crew because now she lives, <laughs> I can't, she lives in her grandma's apartment in Tampa right now. Um, so she had made friends with, it's a, actually quite a beautiful apartment. The view is so nice. It's like high up in a high rise. It has ocean views. It's really pretty. Caroline is absolutely destroying it. Uh, but that's, you know, that's a convo for a bonus pod, I guess. <laughs> oh, speaking of, I did record um, yesterday in my car. I recorded an episode about Trisha Paytas and Ethan from H3H3. If you care about YouTube and the Trisha YouTube drama that's going on now, it's for the Solid Listen Patreon. So if you're a Solid Listen patron, that's like Feathers in My Hair, Dunzo. Um, there's actually quite a few shows on there now. Also, Molly's Lifetime, Mother May Sleep a Podcast. So if you're a patron from that, the Feathers in My Hair Patreon, not the Liz Bentley Patreon. Um, I did do an episode about that that I think will be coming out this week. I hope it's coming out this week. I sent it into my producer yesterday. So that is coming. Speaking of bonus episodes, wanted to let you know that. But, oh, Caroline, uh, like, made friends with one of the girls that's on Siesta Key, and they're still filming Siesta Key. Siesta Key is the worst reality show I've ever seen. It is so fucking bad. It is so bad. Not a single person on that show has any charisma, any at all. It's tacky. Everybody's awful. There's no compelling storylines. I know they're trying to like do the hills, but in Florida. But the thing about the hills is that like <clears throat> the hills had an organic storyline to start with, at least, you know, like we cared about Lauren Conrad from Laguna Beach. And at least like Heidi had a lot of charisma. Lauren had a lot of char charisma. Jason even though he was so fucked up, he had a lot of charisma. Like, I have been rewatching <laughs> via Whitney Port and her husband's YouTube channel, which I believe I've talked about on here before. Um, they're rewatching The Hills right now. And so I'm rewatching some of those early episodes via them. And like, these episodes are compelling. Like, yeah, they're pretty boring. Aldrina is like a real stick in the mud for me. Whitney's not that compelling on the show. But like, the Lauren and Jason shit is like, actually good like what the episode where Lauren and Jason kiss again for the first time I was like <gasps> that was good like it actually like made my heart start racing a little bit they had some real fucking chemistry Lauren despite everything like really could lead a show especially in those times Heidi is 
great on reality TV, or at least was great on reality TV in those days. And Siesta Key has nothing like that. So if MTV still is filming Siesta Key, Teen Mom's not going anywhere. It's just not. The fact is Teen Mom is pretty cheap to make because, like, uh, yeah, the the man, the the mams, the moms and the original dads get high salaries, but like they're not that high compared to what other people on TV make. You know, they get five hundred thousand dollars plus a season, which absolutely is a lot of money. But when you consider, I'm sure MTV makes more than actually. I have no idea how much TV shows make in advertisements, but I would guess they make more than five hundred thousand dollars in ad money an episode every other episode I actually that's that I have no idea on but I would guess they do it's also very cheap to film they are not setting up huge scenes they're not going into nightclubs really they don't take trips every week like the real housewives they don't have to like rent out places to film um reality tv is non-union workers so the crews don't really get paid a lot of money uh when they go out on location to film they're paying for hotel rooms in indiana you know or like south dakota and that's a lot cheaper than filming vanderpump rules i'm sure so i think teen mom is going until until mtv makes less than it costs to make for teen mom i think it will be going at least every month, there is a post on the Team Mom subreddit about how the show will absolutely be canceled soon. And that's been happening since I found the Team Mom subreddit in 2015. I don't know when I found the Team Mom subreddit. 2015 or 2016? I know the first Team Mom sub blew up in 2017. I know that because it blew up when I was traveling home, um, fleeing Florida from Hurricane Irma, which was in 2017. So I had been on there for at least a year before. Oh, I had my podcast in 2017. I must have found Teen Mom Red in 2015. So every month since 2015, there has been a post like, is the show has to be getting canceled soon? And here's the thing, it's just not. Like, (laughs) I would be very shocked. The reality is, is that OG is filming right now. So we're getting you know, another OG season. Team Mom Young and Pregnant is filming right now. And Team Mom 2, I believe, is it is filming right now. I know for a fact it's filming right now because I've been reading about filming. And obviously, Ashley's joining the cast. They just announced a new fucking cast member for Team Mom 2. This isn't going anywhere. Will Chelsea leaving uh, bring down ratings? Maybe. Um, I think the thing is, I don't think most people watch the show for Chelsea. I think the people that like Chelsea and like, where they get their Chelsea doses is on Instagram. And I think the people that watch Teen Mom are us people that have been on this journey since 2008 and will be doing this until the bitter end. Like, I don't think people specifically watch Teen Mom for Chelsea. Uh, Most people. Because Teen Mom is such a boring show. I can't imagine them sitting through, like, just for Chelsea. And now that Chelsea's off the show, they're like, I will absolutely never watch this show anymore. I would find that hard to believe. I mean, of course, I'm sure there are some people, but I don't think that would be the majority of it. I think ratings will just continue to go down because they go down every season because this is a bad and boring show and people don't watch it anymore. Not to mention, like, who even has cable anymore? You know, like, so few people even have cable. So I think MTV has been a real uh, sacrifice or MTV has really, like, been hit hard by the cable, by people cord cutting, if you will. I think they have been 
really, like, people are very willing to give up MTV, as far as I can tell. I think people are a lot less willing to give up, like, Bravo or Food Network or HGTV. Uh, but I think MTV, they're like, okay, bye-bye, like, see you later, unless they're, like, super big into the challenge. I would say that's, I would say the challenge is probably keeping this entire network afloat now, but I think just in general, people don't watch MTV. MTV is so outdated. Nobody watches MTV. MTV is even trying, a lot of Viacom stations are trying to, like, get in on YouTube and do YouTube shows, and those are barely even doing anything. So, yeah, Teen Mom is going on. Here's Chelsea this week. I was actually, okay, surprised by Chelsea in this episode and the Chelsea and Cole dynamic. I actually found to be pretty interesting. One, I think it's important to give credit to Chelsea on how much better she is doing anxiety-wise. I have been really impressed with her. If you guys remember last season or two seasons ago, when was that that she was like really in a bad state. Like, I was genuinely concerned about Chelsea. I was like, she is not leaving her home. She cannot separate from her children. This is actually seems to be pretty debilitating for her. And it's scary because, you know, you're at that fork in the road and things can either take like a really bad and dark turn or you can be fortunate enough to uh, like seek treatment and also have the treatment work. So I think it's really great that Chelsea sought treatment, and I think it's really wonderful for her and her family that the treatment has seemed to work. I'm sure she's not anxiety-free. You can still see when she's being anxious, but first of all, who the fuck doesn't have anxiety? When Have I talked about this before? Like, I'm sorry, everybody's anxiety. That's not true. Anybody that says they have anxiety, don't have anxiety, I don't believe you. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's true. I guess factually it's true. It's just very impossible for me to imagine that. It's impossible for me to imagine that. So obviously, like, she still has some anxiety. But in this episode, I really saw how much better she is doing. I've been seeing it all season. But I think in this episode, it really shone through. And I also noticed how... mm, I don't know what word I want to use to describe Cole, but... Cole, a lot of Chelsea's anxiety made a lot more sense to me when I watched this. Um, Cole seems very into, like, his family just kind of being isolated from the rest of the world. I don't mean in, like, an abusive, like, David Eason way, like, he wants to isolate Chelsea. Like, I I don't think that's helping at all, but I think that Cole, like likes a homebound Chelsea and I think that that is like how he likes to spend his time and he never wants to separate from the kids and he seems like really dependent on spending all of his time with the kids and I was like huh I wonder if Chelsea didn't get help for quite a while because Cole it kind of like Cole liked it in a way like I'm sure he didn't like when Chelsea was, like, very upset, but I think Cole liked it when Chelsea didn't want to leave the house and, like, never wanted to be away from the kids because it seems to be that's what he likes, which is surprising, and I wonder if that's gotten a lot um, worse or better, like, that's become more strong since he quit his job. I would imagine, like, when he went to work every day, it probably wasn't so much like that because he was going to work. But now that he and Chelsea and the kids are just together 24-7, 
he seems like very much like I don't want the kids to do anything. I want them to always be here. I want us to always be together. And it's interesting to me that Chelsea is the one that has to push for Watson to go to pre-K. I found that really surprising. It's interesting to me that she was like, okay, we're ready to drop him off. And then Cole like cried the whole way home and I guess like sobbed after they dropped him off. And I was just really... I was surprised by that because it seemed more less like Cole's like, oh, my child is growing up and more like I am not ready to have my child go to pre-K. And I was, I don't know. I I feel like Chol, Chol, I feel like Cole has had like a personality shift because I don't think he was like that earlier. He They do say that like he's been like that since Cole had his, the tubes put in his ears. Cole, since Watson had the tubes put in his ear. But I'm just not sure. I don't know. I don't know. He's very, I was like kind of put off by him in this episode because I was proud of Chelsea and I felt like Cole was kind of dragging her down. (laughs) Like the fact that Chelsea was willing for Watson to go to pre-K and she like acknowledged that it was good for him to go and that he needs to play with other kids and that he's like ready to go and that it'll be really beneficial for him because I don't think a year or two years ago she would have let Watson go to daycare because she seemed to be not really able to separate from Watson. So the fact that like she is so willing to do it now, I was like, that's great. And I didn't like that Cole was kind of pushing back against her. Also, like, I wonder what it's going to be like when they have three kids under the age of four. Like, that's a lot. It's going to be a lot. But I guess when neither parent works, it's a lot easier. Um, so in this episode, they find out the they do a gender reveal at the house. Once again, they're at this new fucking house every day. They're there every day. I don't understand. it. I've never built my own house, so maybe I'm just naive to house building. But like, what do they need to do there every single day? They have a construction crew and a contractor. And like, I, what do they do there every day? I don't get why they're always there. Like, why did they go to the new house to do the gender reveal? For what? They have a home on a beautiful piece of property, a large piece of property. Why don't they just do it on their property? I don't. I really don't understand. I just don't understand. Um, They talk. I want about. I want about. I wonder about the landscaping. Their land is very barren. Like, am I the only one noticing how barren their land is? Like, are they going to bring in landscaping? Because it doesn't look great to me. As far as the outside of the black house. Okay, one, I am, as a rule, just like already over farmhouse. I think it's so overdone. Every new house going up is farmhouse. Um, It's, you know, the Chip and Joanna Gaines of it all. Like, I just am not that into farmhouse. I think that there is a way to do a black house that's very cool. I fucking love a gothic house. Like, give me a 1850s gothic home. Like, Chef Kiss, beautiful, love it. I think black houses can be very cool. I think that something about Chelsea's isn't right. Um, I think maybe they needed to do a trim a different color or something. I think that house is going to look really dated in a couple years. As I've said, it's like they're doing every single trend. A farmhouse, a black house, every trend on the, every, every single inch of that home on the inside is like full trend. Which, you know, I guess is like not a huge deal if you can redo your home every five years because you're rich. (laughs) But it really doesn't feel like they tried to add like any 
timeless details. And I understand, look, houses change. My boss actually just moved and he was saying, once we cleared everything out of the house, like, and my boss is wealthy and he lives in a big house. Um, He's downsizing because all of his kids are out of the house. And he's like, you know, the people that bought it, he's like, they're really rich, so they'll be able to, but they're going to have to do $300,000 worth of work. He's like, that kitchen, our kitchen needs to be totally redone. All of the bathrooms need to be totally redone. They're fine and usable, but the fact, he's like, they look really dated. He's like, I didn't really realize until we were going and looking at so many places and we got all of our furniture out and really looked at like the bones of the house, how dated everything looked. And I was like, well, yeah, because I'm sure everything in your home is nice, but it's 26 years old and nothing has been updated in 26 years, like no major updates in 26 years. So it looks dated. And the thing is, I feel like your home should be able to last without looking so dated about that long. You know what I mean? Like you want to be able to be in your home for 15 plus years before you're like, I think we really need to do the kitchen because all of this looks so old. And I think that Chelsea's is not going to last that long. Um, I also think like, I don't know, just the outside, something's not right with the outside of the black. And I, I'm not quite sure what it is, but I think something about it needs to be changed. But like, whatever, they like it, good for them, right? Like, you've got your dream house. That piece of land was $400,000 to buy. I'm sure building the house was a couple hundred thousand, although I'm pretty sure they got steep discounts because they are chronicling so much of it, you know? They're chronicling so much of it. Also, I was so shocked. She posted the couch she got the other day, and I was so shocked it wasn't um, the Restoration Hardware Cloud couch. Like, I could not believe it. I... I would have bet $100 that Chelsea was getting that. If you don't know what the Restoration Restoration Hardware Cloud Couch is, it's the couch of choice for all influencers. It is so fucking expensive. It's a $15,000 couch. It's so expensive. (laughs) This family that I watch on YouTube sometimes got, they moved into like a huge, huge new house and they got... Because you can buy in different pieces the couch and they got like a 20000 version, $20,000 version of the house. Like it's so expensive, but it's like very on trend. And so I was surprised to see that Chelsea didn't get that. She went with uh, a leather, a brown leather couch. Surprise, surprise. But yeah, so Watson's going to pre-K. There's a cute scene of Cole teaching Watson how to wear his mask. I will say the only thing that I... Something that I was wrong about at the beginning of the school year, I was like, everybody that can keep their kids home should keep their kids home. And to an extent, I believe that because I think that there are a lot of kids that cannot stay home from school. And those kids, like we need to have those kids in school. And so the kids that can stay home should be home so that it can be as safe as possible for those teachers that have to go in and those kids that have to go to school because they don't have a safe place to be when school's not open. Like, I did believe that and I still do believe that. But now that I guess I realize like how long this is going to go on for and how like things just need to adapt, I guess, I feel a little more understanding of the fact that, like, people are sending their kids to school, that is a mea culpa on there. Like, obviously, also, I'm not a parent, so, like, why I had an... Well, I mean, I had an opinion on this because, one, I have an opinion on everything. Surprise, surprise. And, two, like, it is for the good of 
the community, right? Like we're in a global pandemic. We all have opinions on what we have to do to beat this. So I really was like, I think people should be trying harder to keep their kids home. Um, But now that we are like rounding the corner on 2021, I will say like, I think I was wrong on that. Um, I think my logic behind it still tracks. I do. But I have come around the corner on like understanding why it's so important. I mean, I always understood why it was important to keep schools open because school is so essential for kids. And the reality is, as Princess always says, school is babysitting. I mean, I don't mean that to degrade teachers. I think teachers should be paid a trillion dollars. I think teachers are so fucking amazing. One of my dearest, dearest friends, Tomlin, is a teacher and watching her teach online and like keep her kids engaged virtually is so fucking impressive and I would never be able to do it. And I don't mean like teachers are babysitters, but the reality is, is like kids being in school for eight hours a day enables parents to work. Like that's just a fact, right? And so when kids are not in school, like parents can't work and we're seeing, oh my God, those statistics on how many women have left the workforce because they have to take care of their kids at home all day is, I mean, it's not surprising, but it's troubling. And I, like, I do, I've always understood how important school is socialization-wise. Like, I get it, I get it, I get it. But I think that where I've changed is that I think that school, I guess, needs to be the thing that stays open, even if we try and close everything else down, I think. I guess. I don't know. I don't really. Basically, what I'm saying is I think in August, I would have judged Chelsea for sending Watson to pre-K when she really didn't have to because he is a year early on it anyway. And it's like, keep keep as many kids home as possible. But now I feel like, fine, whatever. She made her choice. I don't feel judgmental about that anymore. And I do think it's important to acknowledge when I'm quite wrong and when I'm wrong about things and when I have a change of opinion about things. Um, I feel really, I I don't know. It's so complicated, right? Like, by the way, get the fucking vaccine. (laughs) Get the vaccine. I am so worried that we're not enough people are going to get this vaccine. And while I do understand, like, why people are hesitant towards it, like, I think I talked about this last week. Let me not get into it. But please, please get the vaccine. Watson is very cute when they drop him off for daycare. I did want to acknowledge this. He, he was like, um... I go, I run in and you go home. (laughs) Watson is really cute. The way he talks is very, very cute to me. So Watson goes to pre-K. Mazel tov to Watson and the Dibor family. You're really cute. And I am glad that he gets to socialize. Okay, let's venture on to Delaware with one Kalen Lowry. So Isaac and Lincoln are doing virtual school. I'm guessing their school just, like, didn't even open. I would bet their school didn't even open if they're both doing virtual school. Uh, The crew's back. The crew meets Creed. They talk about, which a lot of people let me know, because last week I was like, what did she mean that things got scary? Uh, Creed wasn't breathing when he was born, and the midwife had to, like, I don't, is is it CPR that they give babies? But the midwife had to, like, um, make the baby start breathing. As I said last week, like, I am pretty pro-home birth in general, and this is not a podcast where I'm going to shit on people for having home births. I'm sure you can find a, I'm sure you can find that podcast. When Kale said she lived 45 minutes from the nearest hospital, my jaw dropped. 
I don't think I knew that information last week. Or if I did, I for I'm sure I read it on Reddit at one point. What the fuck? 45 minutes from the nearest hospital? What? First of all, in general, that's crazy. Is she, I mean, was she talking about Dover? Did she go to Christiana Hospital in Wilmington? I, like, I don't understand. I, Delaware has a very small population, so there aren't a ton of hospitals, obviously. But, like, there are good hospitals in the Wilmington area. So I guess I assume there are hospitals all over Delaware. But when Kale said she was 45 minutes from a hospital, what? That was crazy to me. And I was pretty surprised a midwife agreed to do a home birth being so far from a hospital. Um, I just was, that's far. That's scary. That's really scary. I wonder if she meant her hospital, like the one where she would have delivered at if she decided to deliver in a hospital and not a hospital, right? Because of course there's a difference between her, like the hospital you want to deliver at and the hospital that is near your home. Like if I, I live less than five minutes away from a hospital right now, but if I was pregnant, I wouldn't give birth there. I would um most likely go to a hospital that's like 15 to 20 minutes away because it has a really amazing reputation and it's really nice. And that's where um, they have like an amazing birth unit. So that's where I would be delivering. Actually, my coworker is pregnant right now and she lives in the city and we were talking about that hospital and she's like, I've had friends that have wanted to deliver there and then they... <laughs> They like had to turn around because there's only really one easy way to get there from the city. And that road is called 76 if you're in the Philadelphia area, which always has traffic no matter what. I've sat in traffic on 76 at 2.30 in the morning and there's no shoulder either. So you like can't even drive up the shoulder in emergencies, which is why traffic is so bad. Because if there's an accident, there's nowhere for the accident to go, for the cars to go, because there's no shoulder. And I was, she's like, people have to like turn around and get off and like go to a near hospital because they can't make it there in time. So I'm wondering if it's a case like that, like they're, when she says 40 minutes or 45 minutes away, when she said that though, I was like, that's irresponsible. Like, okay, I'm now willing to call you irresponsible. Although I think I did acknowledge that last week that she had said that she saw multiple doctors that told her not to do a home birth. So I did judge her for that. But my thing was, is like she had a reputable midwife. So if the midwife was fine with it, I was fine with it, which I do still believe to a certain extent. But I would, well, I would never do a home birth anyway, ever. But I would really judge a person that did a home birth when they lived so far from the hospital. Like if you were more than 10 minutes away from your hospital, I feel like a home birth is really, really risky. And I understand a lot of people live more than 10 minutes away from a hospital. Probably most people in America. I don't know if most people, but many, 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 many people in America live quite far from the nearest hospital. But that's just such a risk. I can't, I can't really imagine taking that risk. So this episode is all about how Creed is a really fussy, unhappy baby And Kale was told when Creed was born, the midwife noted it, then the pediatrician noted it, that Creed is tongue-tied and that she would have to take him to an ENT to get it it clipped. They were saying, Kale was saying, I don't really know that much about tongue-tied babies, but 
basically what they were saying is that because Creed is tongue-tied, he can't drink as much at one time, and so he can't sleep for a long period of times, and he also has acid reflux as a, like, as a result of it, and they think that's why he's, like, such a cranky baby. Like, he's not sleeping, he cries all day. I feel for her. I was a very uh, colicky baby, which should surprise no one. With the, I've had issues literally my entire life, like... <laughs> From the moment I was born, I've had a lot of issues. <laughs> but I I really, I felt for Kale here. There's a scene where she's talking to Natalie, who, that's the woman that lives in Kale's basement. That is her nanny. And, like, her teen son lives with them. Uh, they don't really talk about it on the show, but that's who it is. I don't know if she, like, officially calls Natalie her nanny, but that's what she is. And I'm curious where she went. If If Kale's mentioned on the podcast, I would like to know. Oh, she is back in her old house in Dover. Somebody did tell me that. So that's interesting. Once again, like I said, I'm on Kale's side here. I think that that was the right choice to correct the Middletown mistake. I think that she made the right choice there. But we find out about like how Chris was there and he was really great during the labor. But then he dipped out and she hasn't seen him. Like she hasn't seen him since a week after Creed was born, which should be surprising to no one. So... Something that really, I actually felt a lot for Kale in this episode because she goes and she takes the baby to to the ENT and when she's talking to Natalie, she's like, once the baby gets his uh, tongue clipped, like, it's going to be better. I think that she had, like, really convinced herself, like, once once he's not tongue-tied anymore, like, things will be better. He's going to eat. He's not going to have acid reflux. He'll sleep. Like... You know how you convince yourself of certain things, like once X happens, Y will no longer happen. And Kale goes to the ENT and the ENT's like, he's not tongue-tied. There's nothing we can do. And Kale comes out his like hysterical, like not crying hysterical. Like she calls her friend Kristen and is basically screaming, not at Kristen, but just like at the situation. And I'm guessing a lot of people saw that and were like, ugh. Ugh, Kale, she's so annoying. But I actually really felt for her there because she had really, ugh. I just know how it feels to, like, really put your expectations on something and be like, this is the thing that's going to fix everything. And that thing doesn't happen. It's so hard. It's so hard. And I know in that moment she was just like, fuck, there's no solution for this. What the fuck am I going to do? I really would bet that that's it. Like, she was just like, I can't do this. And I really, I really felt for her there. I really did. (laughs) Oh, Kale. I mean, probably not to be rude, but, you know, to be rude, like this podcast, the point of this podcast is being rude. But, like, this is why you don't have a fourth baby. Like, when you're in Kale's situation. (laughs) Right? Like, this, this is why she shouldn't have had a fourth baby. Creed is so fucking cute. He's so cute. He looks so much like Lux now. In this episode, he looks just like Isaac. He is a mini Isaac, but she posted a picture the other day of, like, baby Lux and baby Creed, a comparison. And, like, from the eyes down, they have the same nose, mouth, jaw. They look a lot alike. Baby Creed is so cute. But having this baby was a really wild choice by Kale. That's what I'll say. It was a, a really wild choice. Okay, uh, Leah. What's going on with Leah? Oh, 
Did I say this last week? Princess said on my Instagram that Leah should be grateful that Ashley is coming on because that means she's going to get a great edit. And I totally agree with that. Like, I really, I really think that if, like, they added somebody boring to Teen Mom 2, they would have upped the bad edit on Leah because I think that there is drama in Leahville, but they just don't show it. They give her a better edit. Leah is so boring this season. She is so boring. Oh, my God. This is, like, also, it's just, like, it's the COVID of it all. Like, I don't care to watch them virtual schooling their children. I don't. That's what this whole episode is about, virtually schooling the children. Because the girls can't go to school like they thought they would. Allie was always going to do virtual school, but uh, Gracie and Addie were going to go to school, but the county was in red, so they couldn't. And it's really hard. Of course, it's really hard. Um, you know, the girls are in fifth, the big girls are in fifth grade. Addie's in second grade. That's hard ages to watch your kids do all day long to do virtual school. I feel a lot for her. But boy, is this boring and boy, is Addie bad. <laughs> That's what this episode is about, right? Is this, is this all what you're waiting for, for me to talk shit about Addie? Here's the thing. I don't find Addie's sassiness as I always call it, cute. I, I've i definitely talked about this before. I find it, like, really disrespectful. I here I think there's a difference between, like, a sassy kid and a funny kid and a kid that is allowed to do and say whatever they want. And it's the latter that's going on. Like, you can have a sassy, funny kid that still knows they have to speak politely, still knows they can get in trouble, There's a scene in this episode where it's the first day of school and Addie is being bad and Leah says that, like, I'm going to discipline you. And she says, no, you're not. You're not going to discipline me. And so Leah calls Jeremy, which in my opinion is a... The fact that Leah has to call Jeremy to enforce punishments is very crazy to me because Jeremy is never around (laughs) It's one thing if, like, the dad either lives with the child or sees the child 50% of the time. Like, if Joe or, excuse me, if Kale called Joe or Javi and was like, your dad needs to speak with you about your behavior, totally fine. Totally get it because that dad is with that kid 50% of the time is an active parent in their life. Why the fuck would Jeremy ever be disciplining Addie? Really? When does he spend time with her? And the time he does spend with her, I believe he's at his mom's house usually. And his mom's probably the one that disciplines Addie. Like, I don't really understand why Jeremy is the person, like, is an option for Leah when she's trying to, like, make Addie behave. Why she calls Jeremy a guy that Addie barely sees. They barely see each other. So Leah calls Jeremy and is like, you know what your daughter just said? Like, she's kind of laughing. She's not, she doesn't even care. She's honestly, she doesn't even care. She's not even like, do you know what your daughter just said? She's like, you know what your daughter just said? It's very much vibes of, remember how uh, Chelsea used to call Papa? (laughs) I'm calling Papa when Aubrey would be bad. It's, it's almost even less serious than that because Leah doesn't really seem to care. At least Chelsea cared that Aubrey was acting up. She just had no idea how to deal with it. Leah doesn't really seem to care except like she feels like she should care, I think. So she calls Jeremy and she's like, you won't believe what she said. She said that I won't discipline her. And Addie goes, because you can't. And Jeremy's like, tell her I'm going to come home and take all her shit away. And Addie goes, no, he's not because he knows that's wasteful and wasting money and he's not going to waste his money. And 
Leah goes, I guess I could like take her electronics away. What the fuck, guys? <laughs> that whole scene was, ooh, ooh, that was not good. I'm sorry. When a seven-year-old says to you, um, you are not going to discipline me, it's because they know that you don't discipline them. <laughs> That's why a seven-year-old says that to you. And when a seven-year-old says to you, what your threat to the seven-year-old is that I'm going to throw out all your shit and the seven-year-old says, no, you're not because that's wasteful. That's not a good threat. You don't use threats that your kids know are fake. I know every parent threatens their kids with things they won't follow through with and everybody does this with all children. It's a common mistake. Not even a mistake. It's just shit that you say in anger, in the heat of the moment, when you're exasperated. But the fact that like this seems to be their go-to to the fact that Addie's like, <laughs> no, you're not going to be doing that. And then they don't respond to it. Addie's bad. Like, she's bad. Do you remember in that season when she was going to kindergarten and they were like, don't trip the teacher again? I was like, what? And when Addie in this episode comes through and she's like, mommy's on her period, so she's going to be the meanest principal ever. I don't know. It's They don't seem to have any boundaries with the kids. Addie just know a seven-year-old that knows that they won't get in trouble for anything is a really scary, it's a really scary person because it's like, it's about to be time where like they have lost all control, I think. And you're not going to be able to get that back. Like if you're, if you know, your seven-year-old should be fearful of you, not fearful. Your seven-year-old should understand that there are consequences for their behavior so that they understand this at 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, etc. And I think that this isn't a problem for Gracie and Allie because Corey has rules and discipline. Corey and Miranda are pretty strict from what I can tell and really enforce a lot of shit. So yeah, at Leah's house, they might not like behave the best. But I think when Leah says, I'm going to call your dad, that's a real threat with the big girls. I don't like to use the word threat with children, but that's what it is. Like it actually has meaning because they know that if Leah has to call Corey, that they're going to be in trouble and they spend 50, 50% of their time there. They're there every week. So they know like, fuck, we're going to be in trouble and dad's going to actually enforce it. So we're not going to do this behavior. And for Addie, there seems to be no consequences for anything that she does. And that's troubling. And the fact that they laugh it off and they're just like, oh, that's Addie. She's sassy. It's really, it's going to bite them in the ass. Leah is not a good parent. I think Leah is a decent person. I think Leah is a loving parent. I think Leah is a kind parent. But I don't think she's a good parent because she doesn't seem to understand how to discipline her kids. And I think the kid, the person that this hurt is hurting is Addie. I think that the the twins are lucky that they have a dad that has given them consequences and boundaries and rules. And they understand that there are consequences for their behavior because of their dad and their stepmom. But it's really, it's just sad for Addie because when you grow up without thinking that you have any consequences, like it just hurts you later in life. Like the reason that we give kids consequences is so that they can make it through the rest of their life understanding that there are consequences for your behavior. And when you're seven and you think that you will absolutely never get in trouble no matter what, it's worrying. It's really worrying for me. Um, I really hope that this next episode is the finale because I just don't care about watching. I don't care about watching Leah homeschool. Okay, let's talk about Brie. It's Nova's ninth birthday and I was like, 
fuck? It's her ninth birthday. That means we've been doing this season for a year because, well, I was like, wait, didn't we see Nova's birthday on this episode? <laughs> like, or on this season? Like, I swear we saw Nova's birthday on this season. And we did. It was at the beginning of the season. I understand. Obviously, they stopped filming for an extended period of time, but it's just too long. We've been watching. We this, this season is spanning too much time. It's just too much time. So it's Nova's ninth birthday and Brie truly doesn't believe in the pandemic. <laughs> she has so many, she goes, I'm, she rents an Airbnb and she's like, the crew can't come in because we have too many people. <laughs> so we have to self film. And it's like, that means you have too many people there. Stop doing that, please. Please stop. Oh, God. It's crazy because Roxana's lupus, but they just don't care. They don't care. Oh, also, okay, so Devon and Brie have been fighting so much online. Um, I think Brie looks like an idiot in a lot of it, but I just will never be on Devon's side. Although, he did say something this week that had me on his side. Brianna's boyfriend posted that Brie bought him an AK-47 for Christmas. And I guess there was a moment in Teen Mom 3 where Brie, like, flipped out that Devon had a gun, which that I agree with. But the fact that she, like, is buying her boyfriend an AK-47, which is a gun that nobody should own. And yes, I mean nobody. I mean that. Nobody should own that gun. And he has kids and her kids are around him. That scares me so much. Mm -mm. That scares me so much. Devon was like, maybe she just hates black people and has a problem with black men. And like, yeah, I'm sure. Like, it's not hard for me to believe that uh, Brie is racist towards black people. Like, that's not hard for me to believe. Um, I'm not sure if it's because of that exact incident, but I believe Devon when he says that. I do. But Devon and Brie fighting online constantly is draining. It's just like they just are repeating the same shit over and over again. And Devon really truly believes he shouldn't have to pay child support for Nova. It's a really wild opinion to have. So they're inviting um they're inviting Devon's family to the party, which is the right thing to do. And Brie's like, well, I'm not gonna talk to them. <laughs> That's it. She's just not gonna talk to them. Also, Nova's birthday party is TikTok theme, which you guys know I love because I love TikTok. Should I have a TikTok theme birthday party? I think that just means that they got like a TikTok cake. <laughs> Maybe they made TikToks there. God, that's so funny. Should that, should a nine-year-old be on TikTok? I'm sure she shouldn't. But do I think that Bree's kids probably have a lot of un, unfiltered access to the internet? Yeah, of course. I'm sure. I'm sure that's true. <laughs> I, Devon's family does come there and the producer um, talks to Devon and he's like, well, you know, I did apologize. And it's like, okay, but did, like, did you apologize? Because now he's like constantly fighting with her online. I just, I will never be on the side of someone that doesn't pay child support for their kid and hasn't for nine fucking years. I just will never be on their side. Somebody commented recently on one of his things like, if they go to court, Bree's going to have to pay him child support because she makes more money than him. And Devon's like, uh-huh, that's right. No, Devon, you don't have fucking custody of your kid. And he's not going to get 50-50 custody because he dips in and out of Nova's life. Will he get visits? 
yeah, I'm sure. But I can't see him getting more than like an every other weekend in a Wednesday night type of visit, at least to start. You don't get child support for a kid you don't have custody of. Also, once again, it's $250 a month. If they go to court, I'm sure he's going to be ordered to pay more than that because it's not just based on what you make. It's based on what the court sees as your earning potential. And Devon is an able-bodied adult. I'm sure he's going to be ordered to pay more than $250 a month. He just feels that, like, anybody that feels they shouldn't have to pay for their kid because they the other parent makes more money has no respect for me. I can't stand it with the, like, well, I didn't choose to put her in gymnastics. Like, and I see a lot of people like, it's not Devon's fault that Bree is spending so much money on her kid, but Bree isn't asking him to pay for half of gymnastics. She's not asking him to pay for half of her clothes. She's not asking him to pay for half of anything. She's asking for $250 a month. That's like Nova's food. Like, that's all she's asking for. <laughs> she's not asking for any of that shit. And even if Nova didn't do a single extracurricular activity, Devon should still have to pay $250 a month because that's his fucking kid. Ugh, he's such a loser. He is such a loser. And Brie's a loser for a million reasons and for her, like, for her own behavior. But when it comes to Brie versus Devon, Brie wins every time. I'm sorry. She just does. Like, you cannot convince me that Brie is wrong in asking for child support from Devon. And, like, should she go to court to get child support? Sure. She should. But I'm also not of the belief that, like, if she doesn't go to tr- court to get child support, she should stop bitching because, like, she's the one that has to do everything for Nova. So, like, she, like, the the dad should just be paying her. She shouldn't have to go to court to get paid. And also, like, if Devon had been consistently showing up, like, he would have a lot more time with Br- or Nova. But he doesn't because he's irreliable. Unreliable. Irreliable. He's unreliable. Oh, God. I can't stand it. Okay, let's talk about the two most miserable people on earth. Um, Well, actually, Trisha Paytas is unfortunately the most miserable person on earth, but I would say Jade is rounding a close second on her. What the fuck? What are Jade and Sean doing together? What is happening? Watching them fight is, like I said, it one scares me a little because of how like aggressive and volatile it is and how quickly it escalates. Um, watching them parent Chloe in this episode was very distressing. I, every parent is a bad day, right? And I, for the most part, it doesn't seem like Jade is a bad parent. Like she, she seems to take decent care of Chloe. That's what I'll say. But this episode, man, they have no patience for her. Hearing Sean scream dude over and over again at the baby, it's like, where's Janelle? Did Janelle enter the chat? It's very Janelle reminiscent watching Sean talk to Jade, or excuse me, well, that too, but Sean talk to Chloe is very, very Janelle-like. Dude, stop. Dude, stop. It's like she's a baby. (laughs) She's three. (laughs) And then when Jade, like, kind of throws her, she doesn't throw her. Well, when Jade, like, picks her up and, like, puts her in the crib for timeout, it's like, timeout, I'm fine like for sure I, I'm not criticizing timeout but I Chloe is so young still it, it, I'm it's hard for me to believe that the way that they're doing the timeout is effective <laughs> so uh she calls Christy Jade calls Christy and she's like talking to her on the phone and she's like well how was uh how was 
how was Chloe when you watched her? And Christy's like, oh, she was sweet, but, you know, she's bad as hell. Yikes. I think they're (sighs) telling... Look, kids can be bad and behave badly, but there's something that makes me like, about a kid with an already unstable life hearing the adult caretakers just repeatedly call them bad and not like they're acting bad, but like they are bad is a little uh, distressing for me. (laughs) It's just like, mm, you know, it, it can be upsetting. So Chloe's just, the thing also that confuses me, I guess it's just because like filming and editing, but when they're like really flipped out at Chloe, like it doesn't seem like she's doing anything wrong, but being loud. Here's the thing, like kids are fucking loud. Kids are so fucking loud. They're so loud. I like anytime I spend an extended period of time around my nieces or my nephew, which like, you know, fuck this pandemic, but in before times, like I always think like if this child was 50% less loud, it would be so much easier to be around them. (laughs) Like, I really do think like a lot of the stress of being around a child, not just parenting, but like being around a child in general can be how loud they are because they just scream so fucking loud and it hurts your ears. And at least for me, I don't know, maybe I'm like sensory uh, sensitive, but when, I mean, I am with a lot of things, but yay PTSD, that's mostly cured, but I still react to sounds. Um, when a child is just like screaming on the top of their lungs, it for me, it like really sets me on edge, even if they're not necessarily doing anything bad. It's just like, ugh. but the thing is, kids are loud. And like, yeah, of course, it's totally reasonable that you don't want your kids screaming in the house. That's fine. But Chloe's also still very young. And it just seems like Sean and Jade are like making lives their lives harder for themselves by trying to control her screaming because I didn't really see her doing anything bad. She was just running around screaming. And obviously, like, we don't see from editing, like, who knows, maybe like I would understand if she was doing stuff like knocking over furniture or like hitting the dog or doing things that are actually wrong. But she would just seem to be running around screaming, which isn't it the reaction they had towards it didn't seem like equal to the actual behavior so I was like "Mm, that's not great and I also don't think that um you can really teach a three because she turns three in this episode I think that it's very hard to teach a three-year-old to stop screaming and I'm not sure that just like putting her in her crib is the way that you do that So they go out for Chloe's birthday dinner. It's Sean and Jade and then Christy and the stepdad's name, who I'll never remember. I want to call him Kyle, but I I know that's not his name. But Corey, it's Corey, right? I think it's Corey. Um, So they're all out to dinner. And Christy, like, walks in with the big doll. And she's like, look what we got you. Look what we got you. Christy truly wants applause for everything she does. Jade and her mom watching the two of them together I'm like Jade why are you doing this to yourself that's how I feel every time I watch Jade do anything I'm just like why are you doing this to yourself you why do you continuously put yourself in this position so they're like sitting and talking and they're talking about like work and everything and Basically, they say that Chloe isn't going to daycare because Sean isn't currently working. So why would they spend money to send her to daycare? For sure. I totally agree with that. 
Yeah, of course. And so Christy says, well, why don't you send her to daycare one or two days a week so Sean at least can, you know, like deliver food or do something? Basically being like, well, why don't you take her there a couple times a week so Sean can work? Which I do agree with the idea of Sean working. (laughs) I agree with the idea of an adult working. I'm not sure that like delivering DoorDash or whatever would make enough money to justify uh, sending her to daycare. Like I would be pretty surprised if he, just because daycare is so expensive, I guess unless they have like a cheap sitter they send her to, but in general daycare is so expensive that if I, I find it hard to believe that Sean could make enough money to justify it. Like I have plenty of friends that quit their jobs when their kid was born because daycare costs more than they made. I have one friend that like essentially only works because her health insurance is really good. Uh, but the day, like daycare costs more or costs almost exactly what she makes. She just got a new job, so I'm sure it's better. But daycare costs almost exactly what she makes, but her benefits are really good and her husband's benefits at his job are really bad. So even though like she's not making more money, the benefits, like what they would have to spend on benefits through his job makes it worth it. But like daycare is expensive as fuck and I'm not sure that like it would be worth putting Chloe in daycare so that Sean could do DoorDash. Uh, so Sean then says, well, I'm, you know, things are going to change soon because I'm going back to school. I'm figuring out school. And I wasn't quite sure what he meant by this, but I guess I'm guessing that Sean dropped out of high school and wants to get his GED. They didn't like clearly say GED, or at least I didn't hear them, but I'm 99% sure that's what they're talking about. And Jade is like, well, and get a job, right? And here's the thing. Jade is not wrong. (laughs) Sean needs to get a fucking job. Sean needs to get a job. But I think the thing with Jade is that Jade would rather be loud and right (laughs) than have things stay calm. Like, did she need at that exact moment to be like, and you need to get a job? No, because she knew exactly what result it would get. Jade loves to pick a fight. She loves to pick a fight because she's usually right because she's surrounded by such losers. I think that's really what it is, right? Jade is surrounded by complete losers at almost all times. So she picks fights because she knows she'll be right. But really the only person she ends up hurting is herself. She doesn't really end up hurting like the person that she's fighting with. (laughs) Like, like she, Sean gets angry, but like Jay just made her own life harder. She does it with her mom too. So they start to fight because Sean's like, really, like, do you, I'm going to go to school. I need to get school figured out. And Chris, or Chrissy, Jade is like, well, I went to school and worked, which, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I'm currently in school and I work a full-time job and I do two podcasts. Like, it is possible to work and go to school. But I also don't think that, like, that was the best time to bring it up. I think she should have just let Sean wax poetic about how he wants to go to school and then later at a different time been like, okay, so what's your plan for working? I think that would have been more helpful. I also think that there's an element of even though the fourth wall is broken, they like refuse to talk about salary on this show, right? Like the team mom salaries, which I really think needs to be included more because when we're talking about Sean getting a job, Like, I wonder if the real conversation is, is like, well, I don't really need to get a job because I'm going to get $50,000 from this season, which, you know, after taxes isn't that much money, but it's probably more than he would make doing like a labor job in Indiana. 
I would bet, like, if the if the main teen moms are making $500,000 a season, I would bet where Jade is right now, because I think this is her third or fourth season, I bet Jade's making, like, seventy-five dollars to $100,000 on this season, which, once again, after 1099 taxes is not, it's not, like, fuck you money by any means, but it's, like, decent money, and probably they have a low cost of living as we know that house they were renting was $900 a month like we know they have a low cost of living so I would imagine that Sean is getting between thirty dollars and $50,000 and he probably feels like well what's the point of me getting a job because I'm making this money from MTV but I don't know I'm really curious about their finances and what they're making because it's hard and weird to watch people talk about struggling financially when they're filming a reality show in which I know the the people that have been on the show for a long time make a lot of money. I understand why Brie is struggling right now because she just bought that house in cash. She paid, I think, $250,000 in cash for that house. And so she's like house poor right now, which I still think was a good decision for her. I, I do. I think that was a good choice for her because I think that only having to pay like property taxes and HOA and utilities in the long run will be better for Brie and her family. I I really think that's true, even if right now she's strapped for cash and it's going to take her a while to, like, get ahead. Um, I don't think a down deposit in a mortgage, I don't think it would have been bad, but I, I do still think for Brie it was the right choice to make. And the reality is that she can be like, I don't have any money, it's in this house, but she had enough, she had 250000 fucking dollars in cash to buy a house. Like, that's an incredible amount of money to have liquid cash. Like, that's so much money. Also, considering the fact that she also has a motorcycle, like, her monthly expenses are high as fuck, and she still was able to save $250,000 in cash to buy that house. I think it was two fifty, dollars somewhere around there. Over $200,000 in cash. So, I would imagine Jade is doing, Jade and Sean are making, like, decent money from this, and it's a lot less, like, I feel a lot less, I'm like, I care a lot less about Sean working if I knew how much he made for MTV. Because if he's like, well, I'm making money from the show. I'm getting, we're getting 50, let's say he's getting $50,000 a year. Let's say like after taxes and everything, he's making 30K take home, probably less, whatever. Like, let's say he's making 30K take home after everything that they have to pay out. Health insurance, taxes, that type of shit. Um, because they have to buy their own health insurance. He probably doesn't have health insurance, but let's say that he does. So let's say he's taking home 30K. Like that's more than he's going to make working a regular job. And although it's not a ton of money, it's enough for him to live off of. And so I bet he's like, well, why don't I just live off of this money and go get my degree, my GED? Because like I need to do that to get forward in life at all. And I think Jade wants more. I don't know. I just don't know. I need I need to see their tax returns. <laughs> I deserve to see Jade and Sean's tax returns so that I can make a better decision on if he should be working or not. <laughs> oh, God. So they start fighting at the restaurant and they're ye- like, Jade is yelling. Sean, I think, was like trying to keep his cool a little bit, but he was unable to. And he's like, I just want to have control over some parts of my life. 
And Jade is like, all you're doing is getting a high school diploma. They're telling each other to fuck off at the table. Jade's like, I want to leave. I want to leave. And Christy was actually so fucking funny in this episode. You guys know I like viscerally hate Christy. But she was like, guys, stop. Come on. Let's not look like a bunch of white trash this year. (laughs) When she had it this year, I screamed at like, I was like, okay, Joe. One point for Christy for being fucking funny. That was so funny to me. And they just like keep yelling at each other. And Christy's like, stop, please, guys, stop, stop. (laughs) It's so embarrassing the way that they're screwed. Like they're having like a housewife style fight in public. Because, you know, in Teen Mom, I mean, obviously we got the infamous scene of Roxanne jumping on the table at that Texas Roadhouse or wherever they were. But in general, on Teen Mom, like, we don't see them fighting in public places. Like, it's not really their thing. Usually when they're fighting with each other, it's in somebody's house. Going out in public places and, like, having meals on Teen Mom is always, almost always just, like, discussing what's going on in their lives and things like that. But when when I, like, saw like Chrissy's face being like oh my god and realize that they're like having a team mom style fight and other people around it was so funny so Jade and Chrissy go outside because Jade like cannot be in that restaurant and Chrissy is I'm gonna give Chrissy props because I really I thought she was being fair and calm in this episode and Jade is like I went to school and I worked I'm fucking tired of taking a like taking care of a 30 year old man Fair enough. Fair enough. All of that stuff is right. But once again, this just didn't seem the right way to talk about it. And Chrissy goes, she says the weirdest thing. She goes, when Jade is like, I worked and went to school. Chrissy goes, well, not everybody's built like us. And I was like, us? Chrissy doesn't, what? Like, the whole thing with Chrissy is that she doesn't work and she can't keep a job. What is she talking about when she says not everybody's built like us? (laughs) Is she trying to say that Jade got her work ethic from Christy? Because <laughs> I don't, I don't think that's right. And Christy's like really trying to keep the cool. She's like, well, you know, like Sean is trying, and Christy's like, or Jade is like, you need to stop fucking blowing smoke up his ass. You need to stop standing up for him. And then she starts crying because Jade always does that, and she's like, I just need somebody to support me. I need to be supported. I cannot sleep because of my anxiety. I have, he sees me crying at home every day and he won't work. And like, I feel for Jade here because once again, she is right. But Jade is just a maker of her own misery. Like all of this shit is happening because of the choices that she makes. And watching somebody like cry that she has so much anxiety because she has to support her fucking broke baby dad. It's like, well, you don't have to support him. You don't have to support your bum ass parents. And I get it's so much easier said than done. Um, She also like doesn't seem to be making any choices to make her anxiety better. We haven't heard about therapy. Is she still on meds? I remember she was thinking about meds or she went on meds and teen mom young and pregnant, but we haven't heard her mention them in a long time. It seems like Jade is the type of person who just constantly makes her life harder and then is upset about it. Like she's kale. Jade is kale. And it's hard to feel a lot of empathy for when you see them make the same decision over and over and over again. And when she's crying, like, he sees me sit at home crying and he won't help and I just want to be supported. It's like, okay, so stop spending all your time around fucking bums. Like, I'm sorry, I 
I don't feel that bad that you're not getting support for anybody when everybody in your life, the people that you keep closest to you, are all known drug addicts that don't have jobs. Because you're not going to get supported. Okay, that's it for this week. If you want to join my Patreon, you can go to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. This upcoming week, I'm going to put out an episode on, I believe, Gabby DiMartino. I'm recording a Real Housewives of New Jersey episode tomorrow with Cara Berry. Uh, Troy and I are doing a Taylor Swift episode this week. Also upcoming, I have... Um, I'm going to do an episode on Holly Madison's book. I have a Greg Gardens episode coming. So yeah, if you're interested in hearing me talk about any of those non-teen mom, very specific topics, come on over to patreon.com slash Liz Explains. It's $5 a month and you get four episodes a month for five bucks. So if you're interested, come on over. Once again, thank you all so, so much for the Operation Santa support. I am so proud and grateful of this community that we've built together, that we are able to help so many people. I hope everybody has a great week and I will talk to you again next week. Bye. This podcast is brought to you by Solid Listen Network. Find me on Instagram at feathers underscore pod.